This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Sani, who's a massive Bury AFC fan and part of the Out of Our League podcast with uh, his fellow contributor, Mark. I'm really excited to have you on the show, Sani, because I, I was saying to you off air, I'm a massive fan of the price of football. Um, you appeared on that show recently and I thought you were fantastic. It got me really interested in the Bury AFC story. I followed the, the club on Twitter from the start and the they followed me back quite early on, and it's a, it's a fantastic cause that I think is close to so many football fans' hearts because you just never know when your club could go through a turbulent time. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, no, no, it's an absolute pleasure, yeah. Um, I, it's funny, isn't it, because the Price of Football podcast kind of was born out of um, reacting to what happened at Berry. Um, and yeah, it really could be any club could be next. Um, and we've already seen some examples of, of clubs going uh, going the same way, Macclesfield Town being one of them fairly recently. And indeed, and we just hope and, and, and pray almost that, that, that clubs can survive because as, as we'll come to in this show, it, there's, there's a lot of people other than just footballers and even fans that suffer when a football club um, sadly has, it, has its demise, for want of a better phrase. But to start on a positive note, Describe the joy of Bury when you were growing up and, and your favourite memories of the club because a very historic club won the FA Cup twice, which people forget, and a club that has a special place in so many people's hearts. Yeah, well, I got into watching Bury because uh, my best friend, um, Steve, was a Bury fan. And uh, for his 12th birthday, it was actually, he said, come down and watch a, watch a Berry game. So I, so I went along with him and uh, they won 2 0. It was back in the what would be the championship now. Um, so halcyon days, really. Uh, but yeah, I kind of got into it from there. And at some point, it became a quitter kid. Um, so it meant I could actually afford to go and watch them play. But by then, uh, they were pretty bad. I mean, I, what happened whilst that was all happening was the club ended up having some massive. Uh, financial issues and this was back before this this was such a wide thing this was about 2000 2002 and um yeah the club was on the verge of going under and I'd kind of got sucked into it all with my mates um going to watch Berry and then before you knew it I became part of the the group that was raising money to to save the club the save our shakers campaign and I kind of took over from there so for me the football side was was great to be with my friends watching football and then also this other part meant I kind of got dragged into it and drawn into it even more. But I think so. I think one memory that sticks out actually of the, that time was that we were playing at home and it wasn't quite the end of the season. We were playing Notts County. And at the time, though, it was going to be our last ever game. So as it stood at that moment, we didn't have any money to carry on playing. Um, and we managed to lose 4-0. Um, and we all invaded the pitch afterwards because we thought this is the end. And I remember like, going on a pitch and I thought I'm going to take a bit of this pitch 
you know, just to remind me of this, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. And all I had was a lump of soil with about one, one blade of grass in there. It was just such a bad, a bad state of affairs back then, but um, they survived that. And um, yes, yeah, well, it's been a roller coaster since, and now we're in a, you know, an even more crazy situation. Indeed, and am I right in saying that in your match days at Gig Lane, you, you went through a spell where you were playing the drum at matches for the fans? Yes, yes, I was. Um, so that came about because um, I kind of decided that we, we had a drum at home games and I decided I needed a drum. We needed something for the away end, for, for away games. So I, I managed to get this drum on eBay and then I started bringing it home and away. Um, and yeah, I had some great, some great times, some, um, some not so good times with it. A couple of times we didn't get let in after, after bringing it all the way down. Rochdale being one that sticks in my head, actually. Um, they just refused <laughs> to put it in like the club gym or something. Um, I think Wrexham away. Was it Wrexham? Yeah, yeah. They were all singing at me over a bridge or something. But yeah, um, it, became, it was a way of me to just channel, channel my energy. But I've kind of decided I probably need to retire from that now you know I'm in my mid-30s and uh, I, I do value my hearing so I'll pass it on to somebody else at some point. <laughs> and in terms of a match day at the, the former gig lane just just sum up what a traditional day would be for yourself because people that don't follow football might think oh it's just a game that lasts 90 minutes but as fans we know that the, the day of a match is, is much more than just those 90 minutes. Yeah, well, well, I suppose for me, there's there's two versions of that. There's the one where I'm barely running on time and I park up just by Gig Lane um, late enough that all the cones they put out to stop people parking have been taken away and I sprint into the ground. Uh, but even on, on an earlier one, I'll, I'll go to the Swan and Cemetery, which is a pub that's quite friendly with away fans as well. Um, and it's usually, you know, have a, have a drink or two, which is probably all I can probably manage if I'm, if I'm driving or whatever. But um Usually I meet up with my best friend's mum and dad because he's moved away. Steve's moved away. And we have a good friend who I used to go to Berry Games, but he's also moved away. But uh, the parents are still there. So I actually had a season ticket sat next to them for a couple of years now. And it was weird because that, that was part of our, our tradition outside of the match was I might turn up at their house or, um, you know, I'd sit next to them and just have a catch up with them pre-match and at halftime or if it's a terrible game just let them know what the son's up to because he's rubbish at keeping in touch um and all the all these part things are part of a match day experience that go beyond what's playing what's playing out on the pitch you know um and and for so many people a football club is much more than what's going on um in those 90 minutes it's a it's a huge part of your um identity even when i think I moved away and taught as a teacher in Mexico City for two years. And, um, you know, people would say, oh, who do you support? I said, I support Berry. And um, some would know because of FIFA or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's one of the first things I'd mention whenever I meet somebody new. Um, and I knew they were a football fan as well, is who I support. You know, it goes beyond just just the players and, you know, what league you're in and what the scoreline is. Indeed. And, and that's a, a fantastic story there. And, and in terms of uh, Burry as well, the, the last full season that the club played was a fantastic story under the, the, the managerial nose of, of Ryan Lowe. The club achieved promotion. Within that season, Sani, was, was there an understanding that the club could potentially in be in trouble or because results were going so well, did, did 
I'd be honest, as a fan, did you think we're going in the right direction? We're heading back to League One, onwards and upwards we go. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I thought about an awful lot. Um, you know, some of the fans were thinking, you know, how we get there, I don't know, how we how we get there, I don't care. All I know is barrier on the on our way. Um, and he was singing that as we got promoted. But by then, we knew things were 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 way, way past the point of no return. And I'd, I always thought to myself, like, you know, why? Do, surely we do care. Surely we, it is useful to know, like, you know, how bad it is. But I suppose you never realise just how bad things can actually be. Um, because nobody expects that the football club is going to just, you know, suddenly stop and there won't be a team anymore. Nobody ever thinks that. Um even if you think a club's overspending, you never really think it's going to happen. And it's something we explored in, in Out of Our League in the first episode and the second episode a lot, actually. We we go and speak to people um, involved in the club and politicians. And one person who we spoke to was um, Adam Thompson, who was the centre-half uh, for Bury that season. And, and, and he'd been there a couple of years. And he kind of told us like what happened when he joined and how the money they offered him was just ridiculous. He was never expecting what they were offering him to be, to be given. But, you know, I asked him, you know, did you, did even you think that, um, you know, these players were on decent money that you were contributing in effect to the downfall in the club? And they said, no, well, you know, as just like us fans, we were, were assuming that, you know, the people who are offering that money have it to offer. Otherwise, why would you do it? We nobody realized just how big a gamble, um, it all was so when we heard that the players weren't getting paid which was um towards the end of the season so that would have been about february march time that's when things got really bad but i know when we spoke to james friff who was the mp at the time he first became aware of what was happening at the club earlier than that when staff weren't getting paid and he was having to deal with it um because those were his constituents and finding out what was going on there um I suppose, yeah, as fans, it's always, always easier when things are going well. And the the time we had under Stuart Day's ownership, who was the owner of the club, who, who took out all these crazy loans and investments and plans, um, they they were uh, an incredible roller coaster. We had a promotion, a relegation, and a promotion again. Uh, well, and the final one being under Steve Dale. But um, I suppose when when things were going well it was easy to look the other way or maybe not so maybe it's not so much look the other way, but just perhaps, you know, not look at it in any detail because you know that we've got a really good set of players and, you know, if we can just get another promotion to the championship, then all our troubles will be, you know, behind us and the money there will, will balance out what's going on here. But, you know, Barry's story is the ultimate in what happens when uh, you try and go too far and go too high and you didn't have anything in the first place. I hate using this term, the, the demise of, of, of any football club or the end of a football club, but, but really, I suppose, that that's the only way we can describe it in many senses. Just describe your emotion, and, and, and in a sense, the sense of a loss when, when the time came for, for, for Barry Football Club as we know it, because I just want to speak from my experience, and obviously I'm based in Scotland, one of the things that really annoyed myself and quite a lot of people that I know was a certain news outlet had a sort of countdown clock on the futures of Barry Football Club and Bolton Football Club. And I know that I'm not blaming any presenters or, or what have you, as, as some people have done on social media. Um, whoever was behind that decision, I think, will we'll look on it in, 
and, and hit with hindsight and, and think that was a mistake. How did that make you feel and the goings on make you feel? Because it was it was just, as I say, an incredibly emotional time. I mean, ITV News and Granada covered the, the story incredibly well, as you would expect. And it just, to me, showcased that football is, is a community. It's far more than, as we said already, Sam, it's far more than just 90 minutes on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and if you think, you know, BBC Breakfast went and broadcasted from Berry Market and, you know, there were news media from all over the world were turning up at Gig Lane. And I remember growing up, we used to think, oh, Berry are never on TV. You know, um, we were never getting matches on TV. We were never having any coverage. If something good was happening, it was it was barely mentioned. The highlights, if they were on anywhere, would be, you know, like 20 seconds. And all of a sudden, we're, we're back page news, we're front page news. Um, but for all the wrong reasons, I suppose, you know, thinking about um, the countdown clock and anything like that. And, you know, some people might look at it and go, well, you know, the, the vultures of the media or something like that. You know, somebody tweeted something at me the other day uh, saying that. And I was just thinking, well, you know, essentially that 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 media was highlighting the story. You know, they were giving time to this tragedy as it was unfolding. And if nobody was covering it, then nobody would know about it. And, you know, how could you ever have prevented it? Now, as it happened, it wasn't able to be prevented. But if if we didn't have the media covering the story, then it wouldn't have been a story and nobody would have known anything about it. And, you know, perhaps Berry AFC wouldn't be here either. Not certainly not with the with the groundswell of support. But I suppose for me at the time, weirdly, um, I, I was doing quite a bit of media as one of the people that, um, you know, a couple of BBC outlets were talking to. And I, I was happy to do so because I felt like it, we needed to get the message out. We needed to let people know that what was going on at our club. Um, because if we didn't, then, you know, we might not get any support or any last chance reprieve, but it was a, it was a, it, it all the time. I don't know, maybe, perhaps on some level, I always felt like, you know, something could happen. You know, there could be, somebody waiting in the wings and as it turned out there was but they ended up pulling out as well and it was only when you know when I as it happened I'd just been on a long journey driving up from from Felixstowe from the in-laws and it was only when when I found out and I'd got home we pulled up on the drive I put on the radio and I find out found out and I was just it was just it just got hit with a it was a it was a sense of shock I was kind of numb I kind of like couldn't really speak and it was just um yeah, it was really a, kind of like a, it was a bereavement. It was a bereavement. It was like finding out somebody you love has died. That is the way, the way to sum it up. And again, those who don't follow football week in, week out, might be shocked by that use of language. But again, fans listening to this will know exactly what you mean and exactly how you felt because football is... It's just a game in, in many ways, but for, for whatever reason, it's 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 our outlet um, to to escape for for ninety minutes to be invested in during the summer when when we're on holiday, we're still checking for incoming transfers or outgoings. It's it's a way of life in in, in many senses, and the the loss of that, as you've said, is a bereavement in itself. But crucially, the the talk of the Phoenix Club, Barry AFC, as we now know. Um, has 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 come around. It's come to fruition, which is 
absolutely fantastic, and, and we'll come to the development of that. But when was that first mentioned, and was there any scepticism from yourself or those that you know? Because I, I've got good links with Chester Football Club, and I know how how challenging it can be to get something off the ground. But again, as as, as by the FC are showing, when you get it off the ground, it's incredible how quickly it can fly. Yeah, well, um, in in the podcast we uh, speak to Chris Murray, who who became the chairman of Berry, and he is the chairman of Berry AFC, and he told us that the first idea of a Phoenix club or, or a new club was started to you know have some preliminary preliminary talks um, before um, Berry FC were expelled, just so they knew you know, that something was possible, so they'd be ready. I think everybody assumed that, um, you know, myself included, that Berry FC would, after expulsion, be liquidated, which is, you know, kind of a normal uh, route that things would go down, as, as happened at Chester. As it happens, that didn't happen. So this new club has formed and is, play- was, is playing a season right now, albeit it's suspended again. Um, but Berry FC still exist which has made things very difficult really difficult um and i don't mean like really difficult as in you know pesky berry fc is still there and it's it's, it's made things harder for the for, the, for berry afc it's just it's it splits the fans you know there's only about three thousand of us in the first place and you know without with 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 us all in lockdown our only real um yardsticks for any of this and what the general groundswell of opinion are are the membership numbers and social media so we've we've got a lot of members i think we've got over a thousand members i don't know the exact number just now um but there are some very fo- very vocal people online um who, who still argue that berry fc could come back and um they do have an argument whether it's possible is another matter but as it stands right now there is a very afc that's been formed it's owned by the fans uh, i'm a member um a lot of other people are members and they pay about five pounds a month to do that um and that club is in the 10th tier of english football but there's also very fc which does not have a team um so there is no football club side of things but there is a limited company um and as we speak as happened um just earlier this earlier last week, um, it, that company's gone into administration. So, um, who knows what's going to happen on that front? It's going to be very interesting to see. And and again, referencing the price of football, it's very sad that that the, the individual who is um, who still has control of Bury FC is choosing to to try and drive a wedge, you could say, between the fans of Bury because. As shown in, in the podcast that we'll come to out of our league, it's it's an incredible story. Um, when you think of what the fans did next and what Burry's experience means, not only for Burry but for English football and football in in general. In terms of the podcast, how did that idea come about, and and how how incredible has it been to be involved in such a project? Because you really have have been involved from. Burry FC, um, sadly no longer existing as we know it, to follow in Burry AFC right up to the, the, the first game and, and much more. And as I've said to you before, um, off air, you know I'm a big fan of it. I, I think it just encapsulates the emotion of football and, crucially, the love of the game, whether you're a Burry fan or not. 
Yeah. Um, and just thinking about that, you know, we were editing it during lockdown and um, there was one point actually we were in, in the, in the show, we were in an episode where we were at Chester and I had my headphones in and um, I could just hear the first sounds of, of a full stadium and, um, you know, football being played and the fans cheering again. I just thought to myself, you know, when am I going to hear this again? When are we going to have stadia full with fans and, um, you know, that emotion and passion without, uh, you know, social distancing and all the rest? It will, it will happen again, but we don't know when, of course, but hopefully, you know, when it's safe to do so. Um, as far as the story of, of how the podcast came about, so I was, a, I was a science teacher up until last year. And um, there was, as, as I said, I'd, I'd been um, uh, somebody at the BBC were coming to to talk about Berry. I'd done quite a bit um, with BBC Radio Manchester as well. And, 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 you know, talking about what was happening at my club, you know, was obviously very um, distressing and upsetting. Um, the process of, of talking to people about it and actually talking to people, uh, I quite enjoyed. And I was thinking, well, um, a long, long time ago, I would have loved to have uh, got into got into journalism. My my mum told me I've got to be a doctor, and uh, you know, best part of tw- two decades later, I'd, b- I'd done ten years as a science teacher. That tells you where where I went wrong there. But in um, amongst all this, there was this competition uh, for to be the new voice of uh, BBC local radio called BBC New Voices, and I entered that, and I had a minute to talk about um, anything that could capture somebody's imagination. So of course, I talked about Berry and the story of what happened there and how when my son was born, I'd missed um, an, a brilliant game and I'd been planning to go and watch uh, Barry against MK Dons and they were free one down in the 90th minute and won four free and, and I'd missed the game because my son had been born. And anyway, <laughs> obviously I was delighted when my son was born as well. But anyway, I got through, but I didn't win. But as part of that, I, I pitched this idea of a podcast that would follow... Um, very AFC and what was happening there. Now, at the time, I'd, I'd been taking my son to watch non-league games um, and I'd only managed to take him to one Berry game before everything that happened transpired. Um, and whilst I was at all those Berry, all those non-league games, I'd, you know, I'd wear my Berry shirt, my little son would wear his Berry shirt and we'd, we, you know, non-league fans, they, they'll just talk to you and have a chat and, you know, I just thought to myself, well, there's lots and lots of interesting stories here in non-league and there's loads of brilliant people. I wonder if there's something in this, is there a, is there a story that could follow Berry AFC and also explore um, wider parts of football? At the time, I didn't realise we'd be speaking to everyone from like Gretna to Portsmouth um, and, you know, talking to MPs and all the rest of it. But um, it was a, it was a hell of a journey to, to be making it. And with everything that was going on with the club, um, it was a real way for me to have something positive as an outlet because you know we were all going through our own grieving processes and mark's mark crossley who, who makes it with me or made it with me uh, is a berry fan as well um and for him he felt exactly the same this was something that we could do that was positive and we felt like it needed to be done and we could document what was happening at the club and the formation of the new club so for, for us in, in that sense it was something really positive and then when lockdown hit um it became something that we could really gives us it gave us something to get out of bed in the morning for me especially you know it when you know when when things were really tough in lockdown and everything had shut down entirely I always knew I had this project we were working on and still speaking to people um and it was something that you know has has been really great to be involved in albeit the reason why it came about was so terrible 
And in terms of the formation of Bury AFC and the development of the club, what was it like covering that? Because it really is quite an interesting story uh, when a club becomes a Phoenix club and sets upon galvanising a fan base to become members. You've talked about having over a thousand members who pay their money because they love the club and because they want to see the club succeed, which is amazing. But also the other interesting aspect of any Phoenix club, and I know this from from speaking to, to those at Chester Football Club, as you've done yourself, going from where you used to play in League One and League Two to the 10th tier and some of the grounds that, that you would visit if it wasn't for, for COVID is, is a completely different experience to what you're used to as well. Yeah. Um, I had to Google uh, Steeton, who were our first opponents of our first league game. I'd never heard of them. Um, I, I now know where they are, a little village um, in West Yorkshire somewhere at north of north of Bradford. But yeah, it's very, very different um, to to what it was in, in the league. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's been enjoyable. I suppose it was weird because I I'd turn up to these volunteer meetings and I'd have like a little microphone and be like, hey, everyone, can I just you know switch this on? Knowing that I might be sitting in a two hour meeting. And we might only use about 30 seconds of this. <laughs> and I was I was contributing to the meeting and also um, making the, the podcast, which is weird because usually that's not, uh, you know, the, the, the makers of producers of something like this, a fly on the wall um, documentary element of it wouldn't be part of it as well. So that was a weird one. Um, and, you know, when it went online, I'd be sitting in some Zoom calls uh, waiting for <laughs> sometimes thinking really uh, I'm pretty sure there's nothing in this finance meeting that can go in the pod but you never know um, and there were little nuggets but you know with that as well we had great access so we could speak to everyone involved in the club we could go and uh, we had a big chat with the manager when he was first signed uh, Andy Welsh um, and you know we met all the players and and especially at that level as well you know it's 10th division football all the players have day jobs they're just like you know normal people Um and they were more than happy to come and give up the time and and talk to us. And Andy Welsh as well in the um, in episode ten uh, obliged us with um, letting us mic him up. Um, and I gave him my iPhone that was connected up to a little microphone. And he put it in his pocket, and away he went. And he recorded an interview, an interview, a team talk that we managed to uh, we managed to cut out all the swearing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, with these football documentaries, we've watched them all over the years. Um, swearing is something that I'd imagine was a was a tough job to cut out. But crucially, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the first game there. <laughs> you, you mentioned the first game um, when when the club gets to that point. What was your emotion that day? Did it feel like something completely new, or did it feel like you had your club back? I know that's a complex question. But, it, but I'm just interested to gather your thoughts. Yeah, well, it's it's really weird because especially with lockdown. So so if I if I go back, like when we'd spoken to other clubs that had played their first game, like we go and speak to AFC Wimbledon and Chester, all their fans were there. So they all kind of bought into it and were able to 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 bring back the spirit of the old club, you know, on the on the terraces. For us, it, it was very, very different. You know, our first ever friendly uh, was against Daisy Hill um, and there was 100 fans there. I think it was 100 Berry fans and 150 in total. Um, so most people who 
supported the club weren't there. And the same for the friendlies. You know, the most we had was uh, Berry AFC against Radcliffe, uh, which was 600. Um, and most of those people, for them, it was the first game. So by the time the first game itself came around um, against Steeton, where we only had about 300 fans, for me personally, I'd been on the inside of it. So I had that kind of excitement anyway. And I was also making something at the same time. So I had that kind of anxiety of trying to, you know, record the right thing and think about this, that, and the other. But for a lot of people, it would have been their first game. And it's hard to, it's hard to recreate that when, uh, you know, that feeling that it's your club and we're all in this together when we're literally not all here. <laughs> You know, most of us aren't here. Most of us are watching it on a on a laptop somewhere, or not streaming it, or just following the results on Twitter. And you know, it was a really, really wet day. I think it was the wettest day on record for something like a hundred odd years, more than that. Um, and when we were two one down, and the rain just coming down, and you know, there's a three hundred of us in this big stadium, uh, albeit it's a non-league stadium, it's still relatively big. You are thinking like, oh. Is, is this all it's meant to be? But then things can change, as happened uh, against Eton. Um, and we ended up winning the game. Uh, I won't give away quite what happened, but basically two, two 90th-minute goals. And if you think about um, the emotion that you've ever experienced uh, with a 90th-minute winner, well, imagine a 90th-minute winner for a club that's only just been born out of all the other tragedy around the club that's happened in amongst the backdrop of a pandemic um, and everything else that's gone on around it and infighting and everything else. At that moment, I knew this, this, was, this was the club. This was everything that we had in the old club. It, it's, it's, it's here in the new. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely knew <laughs> it, was, it was our club then. I don't want to give too much away, as we both said there, because I want everyone listening to go and check out Out of Our League with yourself and Mark. How can people listen to the podcast? Because it's been very well received. And as I've said to you again, it was was a show that for me encapsulated what football means to fans and to a community. Yeah, well, um, it's on BBC Sounds, on the BBC Sounds um, app, and it's also available everywhere else as well. So on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So you search, just search out of our out of our league. Um, there is a Salford uh, documentary uh, from a few years back, out of their league. Um, but I think even if you search out of their league, it might even come up with out of our league. But yeah, <laughs> we 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 uh, ummed and ahed on the name, but we kind of went with that name because we just kind of felt like if we put Berry in the title. It, it might put people off. I don't know. I don't, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we were right. I don't know. We're so used to being this unfashionable little club with no fans. Uh, you know, every now and then somebody confuses with Berry St. Edmunds and anyone who's a Berry fan will have been asked a million times, you know, um, who do you support, Man United or Man City? We just thought, well, do we want to put Berry in or do we want to keep it a bit more uh, broader? So we went with that name, but I don't know. I don't know whether we did the right thing with that, but that's what it's called, out of our league. <laughs> I hope everyone, as I say, goes and listens to that. And just before you go, Sani, I really enjoyed this chat. I have to ask you, based on the players that you have watched, who would get into your all-time Barry 11? Oh, so so I, I spent a while uh, thinking of this, Callum, because um, I know I've got a very controversial selection as far as a lot of Berry fans will go, because my time watching Berry kind of only really caught a little bit of the end, if at all, 
of the glorious double promotion team of the late 90s. My time watching Berry was kind of the other way around. Mine was the slide into administration and uh, relegations and um, near liquidation and all the rest of it. So my, But my team um, is, a, is a bit of an interesting one because most of those players were, uh, a lot of them were sold on. Um, so do you, do you want the entire lineup here, Callum? Yes, please. Right, so in goal, um, I've gone with Paddy Kenny, who uh, everyone will probably know from his Sheffield United days, but um, he cut his teeth in the Football League uh, at Bury as a youngster. Um, he kind of, uh, he wasn't, I mean, he's not the, he wasn't the most athletic of players anyway, was he? But um, he had a nickname, uh, us, uh, Tyrone, because um, he looked like Tyrone from Coronation Street. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of, <laughs> of the state of him. Um, so you've got him in goal. I've gone with a four-four-two because, because you know, I can't can't not do that. Um, I've got Tom Kennedy at left back, who um, started at Berry, and uh, his dad also, uh, Keith Kennedy, played for Berry as well, and is a bit of a Berry hero. Um, and it, he did really well. One season. Um, one season he was our top goal scorer purely on penalties. <laughs> we were so bad. I think I think got about nine. <laughs> Um, as, a, as a left back, uh, he did leave um, for a while. Went to Rochdale, um, and then scored against us, uh, and then ran to the away end, celebrated vociferously to the point of getting himself sent off. But he did come back for a second spell, and um, you know we'll we'll love him. We do love him. <laughs> He's a berry boy. Um, the rest of the back four are uh, to go with that. Nathan Cameron, Effie Sodji, and Chris Brass. Um, Nathan Cameron it was an absolute monster of a player, really good at reading the game, very, very intelligent player, uh, and really strong as well, and, and was pretty pacey as well. Um, but he did pick up a few serious injuries. He had to end up, um, he kind of lost some of the best years of his career, uh, probably through injury, but what, probably one of the best defenders I've ever seen us have. Um, because, I, 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 again, I would have missed our um, very legend, Chris Lachetti, for example. And then I've gone with another controversial one. And I thought long and hard about this. I've gone with Effie Sodji as the other centre-back in that lineup. It's only controversial because um, he was convicted of fraud uh, and went to prison for two years after retirement. Uh, but I thought, you know, I'll, I'll try and look at it on a, on a footballing perspective. And as a player, he was something else. I remember it when he came to us um, on loan initially before we signed him and he turned up and he had a, he wears a bandana says against all odds um and he was wearing a face mask and had like a hand brace he'd like broken his face and broken his hand and it kind of told you um all you need to know about his defensive style and he was an absolute uh machine just he'd just throw himself in front of everything um and he got promoted with us and he, he was just an excellent excellent player and alongside him I've gone with Chris Brass. Now, most football fans will have seen Chris Brass play. The reason for that, though, is because he's the guy who scored that own goal. The one where he boots it against his own face and it goes in the goal. And he broke his nose <laughs> doing that as well. So that, that's why most people know him. But what people probably don't know is, for one, he was actually a very good player and very combat combative as well. He played in a Berry side that was really terrible scrapping to survive uh, in League Two. And when he came in, um, I think he made his debut against Rochdale, if I remember. I just remember, like, we... <laughs> I remember distinctly 
that he was fouled by a, a midfielder for Bale and the ref didn't give anything. And the next time the ball was in the air, he had his elbow out. And I'm not, I'm not condoning this sort of level of violence, but um, he was just a sort of model, like, you know, a, a wily pro that we needed in that team back then. Um, but a lot of people won't know that actually he ended up uh, being a coach at the club. Um, he was involved in, in running the center of excellence. He was the, he ran the youth team. Um, and he also took over as caretaker a few times. And I know, cause for, I had a period where I was doing a bit of work experience at the club and, um, he was doing everything. He was doing absolutely everything. He was yet yeah, coaching the, the, the kids, coaching the youth team, running the center of excellence. Um, uh, he was everywhere and he ended up actually being part of the people bringing a petition uh, for unpaid wages uh, against Berry FC uh, Limited. And that kind of tells you that, you know, he's done all this and he's not even got paid for half of it. So he, his his services to the club go beyond um, beyond the pitch. And it's it's a shame that he's always remembered for that own goal. I suppose he probably, he's probably used to it by now, but he was a great servant to the club. And going along with him, so I'm, my midfield four, I've got Danny Mayer, uh, and left mid and then my two center back pairings are Stephen Dawson and Tom Saws and Nicky Adams at right midfield and Mayer and Adams on the wings are both probably two of our best ever players they both played in the side that got promoted um, against Tranmere two seasons ago now um, and they both had two spells at the club as well um, Nicky Adams I think was top assist he got the most assists that season and again he's got promoted uh, with Northampton he's just a really good player he came through our our youth setup as well um, so he's kind of a local lad and Danny Mayer on the other side is probably technically one of our best ever Berry players I know um, some people have named their kids after him in Berry <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to know about him <laughs> but very very good it's weird because at, at, at the level that Barry were playing in league two and league one you wonder if some of the managers actually scouted us because he would always get the ball pick it up he's not that he wasn't the paces but he he's very technical so he'd cut into his right foot and the, the fullbacks seem to never want to push him onto his left when he'd do it all the time he'd come inside and just whip one into the top corner he did that so often um he got away with it uh, and nobody stopped him but he also scored our winner when we were promoted at Tranmere so for many reasons he's he's got a, a place in my heart and my, my centre-back pairing of Dawson and Soares so Stephen Dawson and Tom Soares um, both were excellent players for Berry, but also have services beyond the club so Tom Soares um, played in a, a terrible Berry side. There have been many, many bad Berry sides, but he played in one in particular where, um, run by Kevin Blackwell, when Blackwell came in and then wasn't told that we had no money. And it got to the point where Soares was actually playing for Berry for nothing um, and just playing because, you know, he needed a club and, uh, we, he, you know, and he, he's risking his career. You know, he wouldn't have had any insurance by then if something had happened to him and uh, he got a serious injury, his career would have been over. Uh, but he stuck with it. And then when, um, you know, Stuart Day came in and was able to pay the players again, uh, he did get his rewards because he then went on to score the winner uh, against Tranmere. In our, we got promoted twice at Tranmere, I should add, um, to get us promoted back in 2015. So he he always has a special place in every Berry, Berry fan's heart uh, for playing for free. And then he got his rewards. And Stephen Dawson alongside with him, he had two spells at the club. In the first one, he got promoted and was just an excellent box-to-box 
midfielder. He went on to Leighton Orient and captain them. Um, I think he's, he's played with Ireland under-21s back in the day. Um, pretty good technically. Uh, always would have a word with the ref. I know when we played against him, we'd play against I remember Scunthorpe, he captain for a while, and he was always in the ref's ear. He's a very clever player. Um, but I also, when he came back for a second spell, I should add, he, he did get a serious injury and he wasn't ever able to recreate the same form. But I thought not only for his first appearance, his first spell, but for what he did off, um, after, well, um, off the pitch, I should say, because he, um, and very brave, bravely, really, uh, spoke on Talk Sport live to Steve Dale and fronted up against Steve Dale and um, was very um, critical of the owner of the club and he wasn't being paid and he was saying how he'd have to lose his house. Um, he wasn't able to pay his mortgage and he was in all sorts. And you know, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And, um, you know, he, he took a lot of pressure off a lot of the other players who would have had a, been in a similar situation. Um, and that was very brave of him to do so. So I thought, well, you know, playing side and beyond has to get in. And the front two, finally, I thought about this long and hard, Callum, because we've had some excellent strikers. Dave Nugent started at Berry. Um, Colin Kazim Richards could have gone up there. Uh, the Coca-Cola kid, as he was once called. Um, we He started at Berry <laughs> and then was was bought off the back of a competition by Coke uh, to Brighton and ended up having this crazy career all over the world. Um, but he didn't get in. Uh, John Newby, I always remembered. I didn't even pick the first ever Indian footballer to play in Britain by Chungbutia, who also played for Berry. I didn't put him in there. I had to go with Andy Bishop and I had to go with Ryan Lowe as my front two. Bishop just scored so many goals in a side that was, I know I've said this a few times now, terrible, but this was an abysmal Berry side. If Andy Bishop hadn't been playing for Berry, we would have been relegated out of the football league long ago. You know, if you're getting if you're getting like forty odd goals for a team that finishes twenty first in the league, then you know you're doing something right. Finally, uh, the player I'd put up front with Andy Bishop would be Ryan Lowe, who for Berry fans, uh, he doesn't need any introduction. Uh, but most people aren't Berry fans, so I'll, I will have to introduce him. So um, he got promoted twice as a player um, and was a brilliant goal scorer he scored the winner away at Chesterfield on uh, what probably one of my happiest memories as a Berry fan when we got promoted um, but then he also managed the club and got us promoted as a manager as well um, so for Berry fans he's a he's a he is a legend and I know that word gets used a lot but um, he genuinely deserves that um, for the for what he did as a player and as a manager um, and it's just a shame that he had to leave and take all away uh, a brilliant team that he'd set up uh, because, you know, I was really feeling very um, optimistic about what could have happened there. Uh, but, you know, alas, it will never be. Who knows one day, though, he might come back. I don't think he'll rule it out, but I think he's a bit above um, 10th Division football. Maybe give him a few years when, we, when we're back up to where we need to be. But, yeah, Ryan Lowe um, has a place in my uh, very all-time 11. And I think he has one in every Berry fan's all-time 11. Brilliant. I had to ask you about that because the reason I wanted to finish with a top 11 is because you've talked there about the Bury FC days and hopefully in maybe even 10 years or so, you will have a, 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 an all-time 11 for, for Bury AFC when you're back in the Football League and I'm sure that will be another momentous moment. But I just want to thank you again for joining me and encourage everyone to, to, to listen to Out of Their League um, because it's an incredible 
incredible journey at the moment that, that the club has been on. And, and again, just before you go, Sani, can you just remind everyone how they can, can tune into it? Yeah, so if you just search uh, out of our league um, and do that on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get the podcast, or BBC Sounds, which is who commissioned it as well, um, then you can find it there. If you Google it as well, we've got um, a page on Five Live, and we've also got um, put together loads of um, links to um, stories that relate to our story. So as well as if you're getting into the pod, um, there's a whole load of stuff on there that can kind of take you on a, on a further journey um, because it's, um, it is a bit of a roller coaster and it goes everywhere. Brilliant, Sandy. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you every success in the future. Stay in touch and all the best. Cheers, Callum. Will do. And yourself too. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song